Hey everybody, welcome back to the Ones Ready Podcast. You're in the team room and I have Diesel with us. Uh, appreciate you joining us, dude. Absolutely. Appreciate yeah, you. Absolutely. Yeah. So obviously your real name is not Diesel. So yeah. what's your real name? Uh, real name is uh, Jared Harrison, uh, Master Sergeant, United States Air Force. That's uh, what it says on my uh, email signature. <laughs> so it must be official then. Absolutely. Well, how'd you get official. Diesel then? Oh boy, I actually got that uh, that call sign. I got that call sign my my first duty station. Which was a uh, Creech Air Force Base, um, which, if you're not familiar, is kind of out uh, in the middle of nowhere, uh, but uh, it's it's home for a lot of a lot of uh, folks in my career field. Uh, yeah, and super not. Please, cool. please tell me you put diesel in a gas in a gas. Yeah, you I don't know how you guess. guessed that uh, <laughs> so quickly, but that's exactly what happened. Um, yeah. Single-handedly delaying 24/7 combat operations by stranding my entire flight uh, on Highway 95 for about 30 minutes. Uh, it was it was uh, definitely a, a a lesson learned. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, it happens. Yeah, I, yeah, you live and you learn, you know. Yeah, <laughs> and there's definitely worse call signs I could have got for that. So yeah, well, I mean, diesel at least sounds, you know. Sounds so, super cool. Yeah. If you don't know the story. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Pretty easy to guess, though. Um, well, cool. Well, how'd you find yourself joining the Air Force then? Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. So, I ever since I was a little kid, uh, I, I knew that I wanted to actually join specifically the Air Force. My father was Air Force for 22 years. Um, he's uh, by trade, he pretty much did every medical job you could possibly think of. Uh, he enlisted and then uh, actually got commissioned later on in his career. Um, so growing up, I always admired him. I remember to this day coming into the front door and he was, uh, this is blues Monday. And I remember oh. he just looked so sharp. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Back, um, in the, back in the day when we were doing blues Mondays. <laughs> Absolutely. Chief remembers. Uh, and I just remember that little, that little flight cap, a little funny blue hat that he always had on, um, that I'll take it off his head, put it on my head. So ever since then, I knew I wanted to join the air force. Um, I just didn't know what that really meant. Um, in the moment, um, Tried my hand at, at college, uh, you know, did some track and field, totally lost track of my uh, actual academics. Uh, so that didn't quite work out, and um, it, which I think actually opened up a door uh, for me to make one of the, arguably one of the best decisions of my life. Um, second to uh, figuring out a way to get my wife, my wife to marry me. That was probably the, <laughs> the best decision I made. Um, and yeah. Uh, from there, I walked in the recruiter's office and, you know, went, went through the, the recruiter, had an amazing recruiter, Tech Sergeant Jones. Um, he walked me through like, hey, this is, these are all the opportunities you have uh, with, uh, you know, the ASVAB score that you got. Like, Pick your jobs. Okay. Love that. Put a bunch of all the most tactical jobs I could think of, uh, aero gunner back then, uh, loadmaster, um, you name it. I was like, I want to be the most tactical person I could possibly didn't get any of those. Uh, <laughs> okay. uh, yeah. Yeah. Fast forward, actually, again, another opportunity came knocking recruiter calls me up. Uh, my wife and I are, are apartment hunting and he's like, Hey, I got this job, um, for remote pilot. Actually correction. We, we've since gone through a rebranding yeah. back then. It was unmanned vehicle sensor operator. I was like, okay, wh well, what is that? He's like, I don't know. I was like, <laughs> I don't know either. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. He's like, all I got is a little paragraph. I can't find anything about it. He's like, you want to do it? And at the time, I was like, I mean, I just want to get into the Air Force. So uh, I took him up on that. And uh, two months later, I was off in BMT. And I've been loving it ever since. 
That's awesome. Yeah. And how old were you when you, you uh, did this? 19. 19, okay. yeah. Yeah, so got married young, um, which I wouldn't change it for, for, for anything. Um, my wife and I are coming up on our 14th, uh, 14th anniversary. Nice, congrats. So, yeah, I appreciate that. That's good, yeah. Absolutely. Well, I mean, that's – so I would say that you're probably in a unique position knowing, you know, because of your dad and, and, and kind of being inspired by him to join the Air Force. It, I, I'd say you're probably in a unique position knowing that entire time you're like, I am joining the Air Force. That yeah. is my future. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, I saw what my dad did day in, day out. He would come home exhausted, but I, I, could, I could see even then as a kid, he loved what he did. I mean, you, you can't do something for 22 years and not love it. He loved what he did. And, I mean, obviously that, that affected me and, yeah. and I think in a positive way. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, so do you have any siblings or anything like that? I do, yeah. Did, they, quite a did few. they join as well? They No, actually. Um, well, weirdly enough, yeah. My brother, uh, he did uh, go through the recruiting process for the Army, or he started it up, I should say. Uh, but another opportunity came for him, and uh, he's doing very well. He's, he owns a gym in Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, so he's, uh, you know, he's doing wonderful. Um, but yeah, actually, weirdly enough, I'm the only one of my eight siblings that joined the, the military. Yeah. Eight? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Big family. Yeah, no kidding. I, I, you know, I come from me and my brother, so it's like, I don't, that's that's, that's wild. It, that's all, yeah. But that's all you knew. That's like, it, yeah. So this is all I know. And to, to imagine <laughs> that I would have, you know, seven other siblings. That's... <laughs> Running around. That's Man, good. That's, that's busy. Good. Yeah. Absolutely. But I, I mean, I love it. I love it. We got, I mean, I got siblings all over the, all over the world. My older sister lives in Japan, Tokyo. Uh, <laughs> we're going to try and go out there this year, hopefully. Nice. Um, yeah, my, Everywhere, Florida, Ohio, California, it, love it. That's a lot of traveling. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, <laughs> holidays are definitely busy. So you alluded to the fact that, that there's been name changes now. So yeah. what what would we call the the current you know profession if if somebody wanted to go to a recruiter and go, hey, this is what I'm looking for because you know Diesel inspired me to do this. Like, what do I? Yeah. So uh, as of right now, uh, the one uniform. Uh, Air Force Specialty Code uh, is colloquially known as the Remotely Piloted Aircraft Sensor Operator. Um, so that's what I do. Uh, that being said, uh, as I'm sure you're well aware, there's a, um, some uh, mergers happening uh, with, within the uh, Career Enlisted Aviator Service. Um, so we will eventually be known as, your recruiters should know this, uh, when it happens fiscal year, next fiscal year, uh, we're going to be one alpha one x force we don't necessarily have a name yet uh so that's uh, there's a couple of conferences uh in the next uh coming months we're going to kind of flush out uh those details um front runner is a combat mission aviator but we'll see we'll see <laughs> you're just gonna float that out here i'm you? just gonna you know that's that's what i've heard i you know I'm, this is what i've heard <laughs> Uh, that, that's cool. And, you know, there's a lot of changes that happen in the Air Force yeah. constantly. And, you know, it's how long have you been in now at this point? Uh, 11 years. 11 years. Yeah. And you've already seen if once this change happens, I mean, that's at least three name changes and and mergers. Absolutely. Uh, it, you know, and that's that comes with there's a lot of reasons for all that, whether it's saving on resources, 
saving on on funding mm -hmm. or maybe just realignment with whatever the mission dictates 100 um so i mean all that stuff is, is kind of normal yeah um so not telling that to you that you already know that i'm more telling it to the audience 100%, but yeah. but um so when we talk about ASVAB stores, yeah. right? I'm not going to ask you your ASVAB store because, I, dude, I don't remember mine. <laughs> yeah. But same. did yeah. you do any prep for it? Because, yeah. you know, I, we, get a, we get a lot of messages from people who go, hey, I didn't score high enough or they just, they just went in. and, it, and cold. It, yeah. And it's, yeah. it's not that it's a difficult test, but it is an aptitude test. 100%. And if you have not done the, the puzzles and the analogies mm -hmm. and some of the, those, uh, <laughs> excuse me, those kind of, questions in a while you know you just kind of take an sats yeah, oh yeah it's a different way of thinking Absolutely. or if you've been you know you're you're 25 year old and you're removed from education completely 100 percent. yeah um, so did you do any kind of prep or anything um so i was again uh, a lot of a lot of opportunities just kind of lined up um and luckily i had uh, uh mentors in my life that that encouraged me to take those opportunities so i was fortunate enough to take the asfab while still in high school okay um i did it my my junior year um and the the recruiter that kind of proctored it for us uh convinced me that i did okay enough to like you probably you're good you don't need to do this again um but uh certainly there were there were people in our uh, delayed uh enlistment program uh, at the recruiting office uh who did have to take the asvap later on in life right in mm -hmm. the mid-20s or so um and i remember our recruiter uh set them up with um uh, an asvap sort of like textbook really um and from what i remember there was there was three or four folks that that uh, had to take the asvab and they did they did study they studied their butts yeah. off um and one in particular actually got a a from what i remember got a really good um asvab score and he was able to get into geospatial intelligence which at the time I had no idea what that was yeah. I, I know a little now bit now yeah <laughs> uh but definitely uh one of those one of those careers that requires a higher level asvab so it's not it's definitely not impossible um, definitely not out of the realm of possibilities. Uh, no matter no matter what you ate, he was actually 28, so he actually had to come in on a waiver back then. Oh, yeah, I believe it was 27 was the uh, the cutoff <laughs> for active duty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, jeez, yeah, it's it's one of those things where you just hey, if if the tools exist, yeah. and you know what, if you want to go in blind the first time, okay, that's cool because you can retest. Yeah, but then every subsequent retest, mm -hmm. you actually have to wait. Uh, I think it's six months. Yeah. Yep. And that's and it's what I remember. like it's may as well knock it out the first time. And and 100%. there's you're right. There's there's textbooks you can get off of Amazon or Barnes and Noble or whatever. Yep. And then there's apps now too. Oh yeah yeah are, yeah. And there's actually ASVAB tutors oh, uh, really? that that recently found on like Instagram. That's pretty there, neat. There, I mean, there are people that yeah. are ASVAB tutors and they will they have programs and they'll set up and and all that kind of stuff. You gotta so, love that. I mean, you gotta love it. Love yeah. the age that we're living in. You can do that, and you can meet those people wherever they're at, and yeah. just yeah. And they're just yeah. trying to help. A hundred percent. That's that's it's fantastic. Yeah. So, Creech was your first assignment. Yes, sir. And yeah. then, so I mean, you guys are you're 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 very similar to us in the way that there's not a whole bunch of places you can go. It's not like you know medical or security forces or Absolutely. admin personnel yeah. where you can pretty much go to any base the world is your oyster uh, right yeah. so we're we're pretty limited as a as a aspect war career field 100%. you guys are we're, probably even we're I, I would actually say and again kind of going back in that uh just in my short relatively short amount of time in the in the air force 
we, we've opened up quite a few locations. Uh, when I first came in, it was really Creech or Cannon or Holloman, which is where our formal training unit is. That was it. Yeah. And you kind of just bebop back and forth, uh, or you just stayed on station for your entire enlistment if you did six years. <laughs> you imagine doing Creech your entire time? That, I, and I, mean, I, met, I met folks that have yeah. done that. Oh, yeah. yeah. I work with those. those uh, uh, oh, people in a house. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, very true. Very true. Um, yeah, but now, nowadays, uh, plenty of more locations, definitely not on the scale of if you were security forces or services or, or medical. Um, but, uh, yeah, actually before coming back to Nellis, I was at, I was in Rapid City, South Dakota, which I never would have imagined okay. ever okay. living there. Yeah. Loved it. Family loved it. Um, beautiful, beautiful place, uh, in the Black Hills. Uh, if you've never been, I would recommend going. Uh, and the reason I say that is because when I found out that's where I was going, I'm like, where's Rapid City? Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> you Google it and it's like all this tourism stuff. I'm like, who's? Who's vacationing in South Dakota? When living there, I'm like, this is beautiful. It's, I, it's just amazing. Huh? Yeah, actually, I went back in the springtime uh, to go visit a couple of buddies, and well, fantastic place. Huh, okay. Um, but yeah, you have uh, places out in Missouri now, um, uh, New York, California, uh, and just the myriad of guard locations is is unbelievable. So, active duty certainly uh, has grown as far as the locations. Uh, that we are able to go to. Yeah. Yeah. And th those other places you mentioned, you know, with uh, Missouri and New York, stuff like that, those were active duty? Yeah. So, wow. uh, yeah, there's a, there's a formal training unit out in Syracuse uh, now. Um, uh, uh, California, there's another, both of those are actually detachments of Holloman's formal training unit. Uh, and then, yeah, out in Whiteman, you have the, the 20th Attack Squadron, the Hellhounds. Uh, they do great work out there. Um, and, oh, I forgot to mention South Carolina. Uh, so oh, Shaw, yeah. Shaw's got some too. Absolutely, man. I didn't um, even. I didn't know that all those existed. It went like that. Florida, Florida, another one. Hurlbert, um for your yeah. uh, your Air Force uh, Special Operations Command folks. Yeah, yeah. Oh Jeez. yeah. Yeah. It, it, it. Well, if there was ever any doubt on whether or not the future is, you know, remotely piloted aircraft, that's. Anyway, we're here, yeah. and it's it's only gonna. This is what I kind of tell my my folks. Today, is is the worst it's ever going to be again, right? It's only going to get better yeah. uh, as, we, as we continue to march forward with what this enterprise looks like. Yeah, and it, you, you know, you're right. There's, there are random, I say, I say random locations like the, the happy hooligans that are out in yeah, North Dakota. Far, Fargo. Fargo, yeah, North Dakota. Yeah. I Love them. Would have never thought that oh, they'd yeah. have somebody in Fargo. But those dudes are doing work. Oh, yeah. They, you know, the guard units are not, uh, hanging out because that's that's kind of the beauty of remotely piloted aircraft. So, so we'll just we'll just talk about the MQ9 then then as it as it sits because that's the kind of most definitely proliferated one. Um, and like it's 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 just really cool that you guys could be flying one out here at Creech or even here. So you guys have a now what what do we call the cockpit? Um, so <laughs> oh, I, I that's a very contentious like, topic yeah, there, I'm Chief. Sure. Yeah, so, yeah, I'm already messing up because I'm sitting here going like, "Man, do I get into this?" Yes. No, no, this. you nailed it. It is called it is called a cockpit colloquially across the across at least the the weapon school, right? Um, but if you look into our technical orders, right, uh, you'll see ground control station. Okay. Which I know I'm going to get a bunch Jeez. of heat from from the fellows across the street. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yes. that's really what I'm here to do. Yeah. Oh yeah, here we go. I'm not going to. It's going to be in the next. Okay, so call. the G, so the GCS. Yep. 
Okay, and that's what you guys are, and what are, what are we looking at inside of GCS? Yeah, so you'll have uh, two uh, pilot sensor operator workstations and then multiple, uh, what we call multiple function workstations. Um, and if you could imagine, you have a uh, 24-inch screen in front of you, another one stacked on top of that, another 24-inch monitor here stacked on top of that, same thing in the center. So you have roughly six screens depending on the cockpit configuration with just masses of massive amounts of data. It's unreal. It, it's wild. It is. Um, and the pilot is exactly the same way. Uh, so that's kind of what you walk into when you walk into um, a cockpit, uh, if you will. And then on your, on your multiple function displays, which are sitting over your left shoulder, uh, you're going to have just various applications running in the background. And you can actually bring those monitors up on one of your six displays uh, that are within your peripherals. Yeah, yeah. I, um, me and the commandant went over uh, oh, yeah. for for a cast mission, a close air support mission, and um, I remember that. That was wild because you know you you see the pictures online, you see you know the six displays and then the extra, and then you got you know other people that, that have abilities. There's every kind of communications oh yeah. you know whether it's it's merc yep. whether it's sipper nipper just yeah, you know satcom radio yeah, the, everything you can think yeah. of mm -hmm. so you can talk to anybody yeah oh yeah um kind of thing <laughs> and the amount of data that is now granted i i'm new so when i'm sitting in the seat sure i'm kind of like okay i can pay attention to one maybe two screens like making sure and i'm i'm kind of cheating and looking over at his at, at uh, at the time, logger screen going. Oh like, yeah. Okay, that's. It. But it's cool because, as you know, a pilot and a sensor. Yeah, yeah, we're we're right here. Oh yeah. All this data here. You got all that data. Oh yeah. And we can just talk right like this and go like, hey man, I you know, and it's it's that easy. Oh yeah. Uh, for that kind of coordination, and then with the people that are that are behind you. Oh yeah. You got you got folks in uh in the ops floor. Um, you got floats folks that could be in a jock joint operations center. Mm -hmm. Uh, or an air operations center, um, you know, out in where you know, Ramsign IUD, if you will. And any information that's coming into our cockpit can be coming from any of those locations or going out to any of those locations at all times, which yeah. is a, it's, it's, it's a pretty, it's a pretty interesting concept, uh, you know, as a 18 year old, 19 year old coming into this career field, you know, you're, you're manipulating your weapon system, mm -hmm. not realizing Anyone from your supervisor to POTUS, the President of the United States, could be looking directly at your job performance. Yeah, no in idea. Moment. And you don't know. You don't know. Yeah. You're just like, so well, you better not lose that target. Yeah. Oh, 100%. You got to bring your A game every yeah, day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, that, but you know, you, you brought it up in terms of 18, 19 year old. You are executing missions that are going like real world missions. And oh, yeah. yeah, okay, you're looking at it as a screen. But there are real people yeah. on the ground. There are, there are real special operations teams that you're supporting. There are real people, real JTACs on the other end yes. that you are talking to. And you have some of the highest security clearances that exist. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, as a, as a you know, 18, 19-year-old sensor operator. Yep. Right? I mean, you, you have clear, security clearances that other people could only dream of kind of thing. Absolutely. And you're doing real-world operations and then you kind of go okay well after my you know eight hour ten hour sortie whatever it happens to be absolutely you're like all right cool well i'm gonna debrief mm -hmm. 
yep. uh, rehack anything I got to do, and then I'm gonna we go get a cheeseburger and go yeah, home. Yeah, yep. and I'm gonna do it the exact same day and make a real world difference. Yes, from you know the comfort of your own. It's incredible. Yeah, not have, home, but you know. Yeah, you're. you're I like, mean, relatively, yeah. right? I mean, you, it's Creech is about a forty minute drive, maybe if that, yeah. you know, where you're where you're at, and. Yeah, that's a very uh that's a very real experience that yeah, you're you're putting 18, 19 year olds into that position with don't get me wrong, very extensive training. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Uh but you, you think about that when I, I I can still remember to this day when I was like, "Yep, I'll do that. Whatever that thing is cuz you and I don't as a recruiter and a recruitee don't really know what that is, yeah. but let's do it." <laughs> you know, fast forward about 18 months worth of training in the books. And then you're doing it. You're doing the mm -hmm. job in a combat environment. Dropping you're, dropping bombs. Oh yeah. Yeah. You're you're responsible for guiding yeah. munitions onto a target. And and not to not, like I'm not trying to, to overinflate what it is either, but like when we talk about you have a you have a pilot and a sensor that are are watching a target. We'll just call it a high value high value target, right? we we've been following somebody for six months. Yeah. Thing, oh yeah. Right. And this is the time. Okay. We've, we've gotten a, approval from the president or whoever that approval authority is. Definitely. Right. And now's the time. And you know, we, we have, you've got sensors, you're, you're dealing with weather, you're dealing with um, checking collateral damage Definitely. estimates. Definitely. You're, you know, checking the, the route where they gonna go. Here's this pattern of life. Definitely. Yes. And you also got to set the your like there's so much goes in there. Setting the aircraft in the right position. Your attack uh, geometry. Right. 100%. So so all that also to make sure that your your sensor doesn't you know <laughs> gimbal out. Yeah oh yeah right? yeah yeah uh, definitely a lot better than when I started. Uh, we call that a nader uh, when you're pretty much looking directly down. The the computer has a hard time understanding like you're looking basically ninety degrees down. It'll. It used to just throw your sensor. Oh yeah. Off into nowhere. Yeah, and then yeah, yeah. You've got to get it back, and now you've lost that vehicle or that person. You could have just, that six month of progress gone. We got to reestablish uh, uh, positive identification mm -hmm. of whatever the target is. And, oh yeah. yeah. And then it's not only setting the sensor up for success so that it doesn't nader, right? Definitely. But it's also making sure that whatever gets thrown off, whether we're talking about GBU twelves, Hellfires, whatever yep. it is, can has the best opportunity to Definitely. hit that target Definitely. because maybe they're in an urban canyon, you know, with with buildings around it or or, or collateral damage. It's, oh yeah. It's... There is a lot that, that needs to go into every every single strike. Um and that's where and before you ever that's where that extensive training comes in. Before you are ever put in that position, you've done on the order of of probably if not hundreds probably you're pushing that four digits of simulated attack runs uh, with any and all weapons that you can put onto an MQ-9 uh, before you ever get there. So it is almost instinctual at that point. Mm. Your body just, I mean, just revert. I would imagine very similar uh, aspect on the, on the JTAC side. You're, you just get into a mode where your training just takes over. Mm-hmm. And you don't even think about it until it is now done and it's time for that debrief. You're like, wow, that just happened. We just did it. Right. And that's, and that's one of the reasons, and I'm sure you guys do it too, is 
and we definitely do it at the web school. I just don't oh, know yeah. if you do it at at the kind of tech school level, but like here we we create we will take real world operations, oh yeah, but in real world situations, but we will also go, okay, this is what we think will happen mm-hmm. and ramp it up and, and we will create such difficult scenarios that you're like that that you you are going to fail or if you succeed it's going to be barely because we want to push your limits we want you to learn what your own limits are definitely and we want you to and it it actually helps generate um the kind of the creativity of going like okay i know what the reg says and i know what the ttp says Mm -hmm. but you know what i think if I do this, oh yeah, that may that will help or that will work in this situation. And the next thing you know, <laughs> you've got a new TTP, hundred percent, that is getting sent out to the to thousands. the rest of yeah, thousands yeah. of aviators and and tacticians. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, you're just just like you were hitting on uh, your your tactics, techniques, procedures, uh, regulations, your technical orders. They'll get you that that eighty percent solution, but it is those those hundreds of hours of training that will allow you to conceptualize that problem in that moment, piece together, really like synthesize all the knowledge that you have and the skills that you develop and put it into a, into a use that no one had really conceived of before. And then boom, it works. Or if it doesn't work, well, why didn't that work? And and that's where that debrief uh, is so, is so vital in order to get those TTPs refined and then published out to, to elevate the, the capabilities of the Air Force at large, the, the combat Air Force, that's where that debrief shines, mm-hmm. which, I mean, that's why we're all here, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, you, you mentioned here, so you're part of the 26th Weapon Squadron. Sure. The Tigers. The Tigers. Flying Tigers. By who? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and that's, you guys are an integral part of that. You know, as, as the Weapon School, as an entity, sure, right? Yep. We've got a bunch of different, uh, um, geez, mission design series. I, dude, I, I try, I try and not <laughs> use acronyms. And then when I do try and spell them out, I'm like, I know that. Acronym, I, oh yeah. But um, anyway, so you got a bunch of different platforms uh, all here that are helping to, you know, create patches. Definitely. You know, so so you're an advanced instructor course or patch, a center patch with the Tigers. Absolutely. So what does all that entail? Yeah, so it uh, so our advanced instructor course uh, runs concurrent with our, our weapons instructor course. Uh, and it's a five and a half month long course and it goes through any and all uh, mission sets the MQ-9, which by its very nature is a multi-role platform. Uh, the MQ-9 can be called to do, uh, whether it be um, air interdiction, uh, you're doing some kind of uh, strike coordination and reconnaissance, close air support. Uh, where we get to work with our with our trench brethren and <laughs> and the the bubba's over in the trough, um, and over to uh, combat search and rescue, um, and then kind of uh, all comes together, culminates in a capstone uh, known as uh, weapon school integration, uh, where we get to put all of those mission sets together. Our students get to we set the conditions so that the environment will allow them uh, to, again, synthesize all that knowledge that they've accumulated over the last five, four and a half months, five months, uh, and put it into application in a controlled environment where, just like you were saying, failure is likely because I want you to fail here Mm -hmm. so that you can learn here before we release you as newly minted 
patches, advanced instructors, where now your job is to be that advisor uh, to your commander, to your director of operations, uh, as it pertains to anything and everything weapons and tactics related. Uh, and, and so that's, that's really the core of what we do here. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And it, like I said, it spans across all the, all the different absolutely. platforms. And um, so how many are you guys, like, so let me take a step back, actually, <laughs> as I cough. Um, <laughs> so, you, you know, we, we talked about the 18, 19 year olds that are just now coming in doing, you know, you know, hundreds, even thousands of, of runs through this thing. Oh. Like, who are the, who are the, the folks that you guys specifically are recruiting to, recruiting to come through uh, the 26th? Yeah, so uh, part of our um, syllabus, uh, you, it's all out there for, for our folks uh, out in the field. Um, you can look in the syllabus and it'll tell you verbatim what the no kidding requirements are uh, from a quantitative standpoint, number of instructor hours, uh, number of flying hours and, and whatnot. But really fundamentally, uh, the person that we're looking for is really that, that top 1% uh, of your instructor core uh, that you have out in the field, right? All your various squadrons that I mentioned a little earlier. Um, our community is, is uh, I wouldn't necessarily say unique, but in, in the remotely piloted aircraft community, all of our instructor upgrades are done in-house. That means they're done at the squadron level. There's no formal training unit that you go to to, to get your instructor qual uh, qualification. And so you're going to see kind of like a, a, a different uh, smorgasbord, if you will, of um, just uh, skill levels, competencies, and kind of focus areas at each of the individual squadrons. Uh, but there are some common, like just core traits that we look for, which, which are, tend to lend themselves to that top 1%, which is uh, your folks that are going to be go-getters. Uh, they're going to be self-starters, mm -hmm. uh, first and foremost. They're going to have a passion for the job, a passion to teach and lead. Um, and realistically, at the end of the day, the, the folks that we're looking for are the folks that, uh, that are really committed to elevating the community, um, whether, whether it be just the, the remotely piloted aircraft community or the combat air force at large, which one of the, the benefits of going through this course is you tend to find yourself in those very unique opportunities, especially as an enlisted member, right? You're, you're there at those half level um, uh, major command sorry no you're good your headquarters, headquarters air, force. air force major command <laughs> you're good you're good uh your major command levels uh where, where you're going to have a significant influence uh on um helping to find different requirements uh training policies manpower utilization all the, all these big picture um items that you you wouldn't necessarily uh um, be able to do um, if you were not that that top one yeah. percent, not the not a weapon school AI, or not a weapon school advanced instructor course graduate, or just a weapon school patch, weapon school patch, love that. I mean, you're yeah. a you're a graduate of the weapon school regardless, Definitely. whether it's an AIC or or a, a weapon instructor course. Like you're you're a web school graduate. That's what you are. 100%. So <laughs> definitely. No, I I appreciate you you kind of breaking that down because um, some of it can get lost and and you know oh, yeah. we've we've had. Bane on. We've had Blitz. Yeah. We're 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 going to have um, Colonel Fallon on Vice. Love that to uh, to kind of talk about this. And we've had a couple other patches on in the past, but trying to um, 
explain what the web school is rather than just saying, hey, have you seen Top Gun? It's the, <laughs> the Air, Air Force. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Except yeah. ours, you know, there's so much more uh, to it. And oh, it's yeah. not the it's not the downgrade of the Top Gun. It's just, oh, yeah. you know, there's it's different mission sets and we're trying to get after different things. But it's kind of the, the same uh, or similar type type construct. It's, it's what the public could recognize right. without having to have just a significant understanding of like background information. It's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So um talk to me a little bit about that relationship between between you and the pilot that are that are sitting there right next to you doing this mission. Oh, hundred percent. Um so uh obviously the pilot is going to be the uh also known as the pilot in command. So at the end of the day, um the pilot is ultimately responsible for making sure the mission is accomplished, whatever we're tasked with uh, for doing that day. Um, the the unique uh, setup of of uh, our remotely piloted aircraft operations is that as a sensor operator, just like you mentioned, I'm just sitting right next to him, and we're in earshot. Uh, there's no while you know there's hundreds of radio calls going out. If this is really convoluted, we can literally just flip our headset up, have a conversation like, hey, this is what I'm seeing. What are you seeing? Um, so really at the end of the day, as a sensor operator, uh, my job is to understand what the pilot's intent is uh, for how they plan to accomplish the mission that day, take their plan, and then uh, manipulate my various payloads, whether it be uh, electro-optical, infrared, um, uh, shortwave infrared, and you know, whatever, synthetic aperture radar. I don't know if I said that already. Manipulate those those systems in a way to accomplish that my pilot's intent. Um, and really, at the end of the day, crew save is always a good save. Mm -hmm. If if I see something, uh, my my general situational awareness of what is happening on the ground is nine times out of ten going to be much higher than the pilot's understanding of what is occurring on the ground because the pilot is sitting there maintaining airspace, making radio calls. Uh, like you mentioned, we have six different monitors. On those monitors, there's a multitude of various uh, texting applications. Yep. So they're, they're talking to who knows how many people and, and trying to pass information, gain information. And I'm sitting there, eyes glued to the ground, glued to the screen, uh, watching, uh, watching the, the battle happen yeah. develop before my eyes. So that, that pilot, uh, they'll come back, you know, as long as you have good crew resource management, that pilot, in theory, should come back uh, into the fold, and they're going to rely on the sensor operator to bring them back up to speed. What's going on? Where are my friendlies at? Raj, where's the target? Awesome. Like, and it's the sensor's job to be Johnny on the spot. Um, and what's, again, amazing about remotely piloted aircraft operations, I'm sitting there. I can reach over and point on the pilot screen. Yeah, yeah. These right are the good guys. Here. Yes. <laughs> bad guys here <laughs> got it uh and it and it it's it is a uh it's just an ongoing exercise in in uh, team team dynamics and yeah. trust you have to trust the pilot and the pilot has to trust the sensor operator in order for that mission to be successful if there's no trust the pilot can't uh, coordinate with insert external agency here uh to either pass the information necessary for if we have a JTAC on the ground and they're trying to do uh, voice communications, the pilot, if the pilot can't trust the sensor to do what the sensor needs to do, they're, they're not going to be able to pass any of that yeah. information. And now the entire cast team in that situation is going to suffer for that and, yep. and vice versa. 
uh, as, a, as a sensor operator, I'm, if I'm doing a moving target engagement or a moving target track, whatever have you, I need to trust the pilot is going to do the thing that we've practiced so many times before so that he, can, he or she can set me up in, in the right way to ensure that no collateral damage occurs, the target is met with the effects that we intend to uh, place on them. And without, without that trust or that teamwork, it doesn't happen. Um, so it, it's, uh, it, again, it comes from hundreds and thousands of hours of, yeah. of training, training those tactics, techniques, procedures. So no matter which pilot's sitting there or which sensor is sitting here, we, we both have that understanding of those tactics, techniques, procedures, so we can anticipate what each other's going to do bef before we even have to say anything. Well, that, yeah. that's, you, you already mentioned, but that's what I was going to ask is, or is there just a certain pool of pilots that each sensor will fly with? You know, but you know, oh, you got yeah. a pool of pilots, you got a pool of, of sensors, and, and then you guys will only fly with a couple, or is it just like, hey, whatever, you, if you're in the unit, we can fly together kind of thing? Yeah. Um, basically, it boils down to if you're in the same squadron, you can, you can fly with anyone in that squadron. Okay. Uh, typically, the squadrons, your operational squadron is going to fall into three flights. So you're generally going to fly with the same handful of pilots and the same handful of sensors on any given day. Um, but referencing back to my, my uh, time at Ellsworth, uh, at Ellsworth, South Dakota, kind of a uh, unique challenge there was we had 24-7 operations, but the base would close down due to winter storms Weather. and blizzards. <laughs> and yeah, so uh, you could very much find yourself on what they call the snow crew. So you from... Uh, October 1st until May 31st, you had to bring a 72-hour go bag. Uh, if the blizzard hit and you were there, you are staying. Guess uh, what? Go sleep on the cot. 100%. Freaking, yeah. You got to shift. You got to cover. Definitely. And, <laughs> and with that, right, I mean, people, all, all kinds of stuff could happen. Someone could get um, stuck. Uh, and, you know, we got to go uh, get them, like, you know, dug out or, or whatever have you. Someone could, you know, unfortunately, they get sick or anything like that. Okay, well, this, this pilot is going to be flying on our shift for the next two days. Um, I know they're not on our flight, but we all understand what the squadron mission is. We all understand the TTPs. You would, you would never know. You're outside looking in. You'd never know that these guys don't normally fly together, uh, but they're, they're, they're hacking the mission, and that level of trust is there because they've all earned it, right? Yeah. You, you wear your squadron patch. That means you've gone through our mission qualification training. You've earned that respect. It, it's, you've, you've earned that trust. Um, now, if you're talking on a grander scale, right? Now I'm going to another unit. Let's say I'm, let's say I'm going to Hurlburt from Ellsworth. I'm going to have to go through their mission qualification training. Uh, it'll probably be a little more expedited because I'm an experienced air crew member. Right. Um, but again, once you get through that mission qualification training, you're like gloves are off. You're you're good to go. And with that, there are certain expectations, like the, these oh, yeah. these mess ups or these mistakes mm -hmm. will not happen. There is a certain level of definitely. Not just professionalism, but skills. A whole hundred percent. You know, controlling the sensor mm -hmm. and and being able to communicate that that are expected of you. A hundred percent. And everyone everyone speaks the same language. Everyone understands. Uh, you know, like hey, this this person has such and such certification. All right, and this person can fly all the missions, or this person's in training for this certification. In my mind, okay, they've proven that they can do everything up to this point. Once they're done with that certification. Gloves are off, like putting them more where we need to put them at, and they're going to get the mission done, and I have no doubt in my mind. Yeah. yeah. No, that's awesome. That's <laughs> awesome because it, it's, um, it's a real thing in terms of 
you know, I, and I kind of alluded to it earlier, but I, I forgot to hit it again was, you know, you guys could take something off out of here. Go ahead. And granted, you got your own, your own cockpit here, yeah. but you're using Creech birds. Oh yeah. Yeah. They're, right? so, yeah. so they're, they're out there training, you know, on the range and oh, then yeah. they're done with their sortie and you guys have a, a syllabus mm-hmm. sortie that you've got to fly. And it's like, it's just a quick phone call. Hey, you've got, yeah. I, and I'm oversimplifying it. I, I got it. Conceptually but, though, you're on, you're on the money. It's like, yeah. Hey, we're done with this. You guys are up. Okay. I have control now. Boom. Boom. Yep. And then, and then you guys got it. Right. Yep. So it's, it's just a, it's so cool that we've reached that level of technology, professionalism Definitely. and skill and capability that we can do that kind of thing now. Absolutely. Uh, we, uh, taking that a step further, even within your own squadron, uh, we were flying a bird uh, back at, at Ellsworth, and there was an issue with the cockpit, and it was going to preclude us from executing the mission, and we had a spare cockpit. So we're like, okay, cool. We got a spare crew over here. You guys need to just go spin this cockpit up, get ready to grab the bird. Okay, cool. Did that. Ten minutes later, we're ready. Cool. Push a button. Yours. It's ours. Awesome. They shut down the cockpit with the issue. They fix it up. It was ready to fly the next day, and we never skipped a beat. Yeah, like no one would ever have even known that even happened. But it goes right back to what we were talking about. Mm-hmm. Like if we are following an objective or we're following that person, just because oh, you yeah. had the, like, as long as the bird's okay, yeah. just because you have an issue with the cockpit back here, well, you you got to get another cockpit up with another crew, mm-hmm. do a solid solid handover. You know, hey, here's the friendlies here, whatever. Love it. What's yeah, going yeah. on, and then boom. Does not skip a beat. Yep. No one's none the wiser, and we've maintained custody of said said whatever objective that we're trying to whatever do. Whatever it is, yeah. yeah. And and you have all the continuity you could ever want because the crew that just uh, that had the broken cockpit, they can just walk over. It's like, hey, heads up! I forgot to mention this in the changeover brief. This is you know this thing yeah. we're good right yeah. All right. Yeah, 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 yeah all right you guys anything with the defect down a facility yeah exactly uh, yeah. oh yeah okay well um so as as recruitment is is ongoing and people are interested in sensor operators like what are some of the things that you're looking for in a sensor operator like it as a as a characteristic um Definitely. so yeah um so i would say uh probably one of the most important characteristics is you what you want to see as a as a as a leader in this community is a central operator who has critical thinking skills uh like, like we alluded to earlier there there's not a one size fits all solution uh for any given problem and even your similar problems it's it's not always going to be the same uh circumstances so you need someone who can understand how to employ the weapon system and then use that understanding in a way that may have never been seen before uh, in order to get it done. So to be able to, to abstract the, the problem from uh, the situation, if you will. Uh, so I would say critical, critical thinking skills um, are huge. Uh, and communication skills. Uh, you, have to, you have to understand what information is important and when. Uh, you have to understand uh, when is a good time for me to talk and when is not a good time for me to talk. <laughs> uh, uh, I, yeah, I would probably say critical thinking and communication skills are, are probably going to be your your bread and butter and what you want in a in a great sensor operator. 
Um, could you could you expand on that? Know when the talk and oh yeah, that? absolutely. Because that that seemed like that was uh, there was either some <laughs> scar tissue there, or or there it's emotionally charged. Yeah, oh yeah, a little bit of a, a little bit of b. Um, yeah, so uh, like we were talking about before, we're sitting there with the pilot, uh, and we could just have a conversation just like this. I could flip my mic up, and we'll just talk. Uh, meanwhile, uh, we have. We have two radios uh, on on the MQ-9. Typically here, we we execute in a two ship. I can listen to my my wingman's radios as well from my cockpit, so I could listen to four radios at the same time. And on top of that, we have uh, we have a a intercom system that allows us to talk to our our wingman without ever having to go over line of sight radio. So I could have four radios happening at the same time while we're also trying to type or, or what have you. And then compile the fact that I can just talk to the pilot. So having a clear understanding of the communication priorities is paramount because what you don't want to happen is you could have anywhere from one other aircraft to a hundred other aircraft on the same frequency, all trying to pass information to each other to affect the fight. And I talk over <laughs> a very uh, critical piece of comm and we miss it and we fly into a threat and we get shot down. Not a good day for anyone. We're yeah. not helping the fight. Um, so yeah, typically you'll, you'll see uh, in every, every uh, crew brief, your pilot will lay out, these are our communication priorities. First is going to be anything safety of flight. If you see me flying into a threat, I don't care what's happening. You tell <laughs> me to turn around. Yeah, exactly. Uh, then next is going to be typically anything external to the flight. So pretty much those hundred other people that are talking, if someone's talking, you're not. Quiet. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then anything internal to the flight, cool. If, if Dash 2 is trying to tell me something, sensor, I need you to be quiet right now. And then lastly, is anything internal to the cockpit? Because I, 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 can, wait, I can wait, right? And we don't have to go over anyone else's communications channels. Yeah. We just talk like this. I'm like, okay, cool. I, I know they're getting ready to finish their transmission after that i'll just real quick directive pilot turn left vehicle follow yeah okay cool pilot can do that and keep going yeah y'all's ability to like i i like to think that i'm okay in multitasking but yeah i forgot that you guys can dial in to <laughs> the other so as you're operating this two ship i forgot that you guys can dial in to their radios too so not only do you have four radios, Merc chats up. Oh, yeah. Other chats as well, um, chatting back and forth and having, you know, sipper or nipper or whatever it is yeah. on speaker with the other crew. So so you still, with number two, so you don't have to say it on the radio. Definitely. You have that. And then never mind, you know, rando people that are just watching. Okay, in the yeah. Back, yeah, yeah. Or, or a jock. You know, oh, yeah. inserting themselves in the conversation. Oh, by the way, yeah, here we go. Okay, what well, we got? Yeah, yeah, that's that's nuts. It, yeah, but again, it kind of comes back to um, what you mentioned earlier, right? What, if the military is nothing else, it is one of the premier institutions for any type of technical training you could possibly imagine. We're good at training. Yeah, well, yes, we are. Yes, we are. I would have never imagined that when I was signing up for the Air Force that I would be doing any of this, right? let alone when you break it down like that, it sounds really incredible. But when you're 
when you've done it now for countless hours, now, whatever. it's just a very small little like 30 second little blurb in a crew brief of like, hey, here's how we're going to do this today. And bam, 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 bam. And then just keep going. And you don't even think about it twice because yeah. that's just what you've been trained to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, and that's why, you know, you could make the argument of, hey, why do you guys just train all the time? Like you're always training. There's, you know, um, especially here at Nellis, but I remember being at Herbert Field, there was always complaints on some of the neighborhood apps or Facebooks or whatever uh, about like, well, they're just flying and it's just oh, yeah. so loud. And, and, and it's like, well, okay, but you know, why do they have to fly every single day and shoot every single day? It's because we have to train oh, yeah. till we don't get it wrong. Exactly. And that's why we have to do it every single day every over day. and over again get those repetitions in definitely because if not when we you fight the way you train. i know a lot of people say definitely. you train the way you fight no you fight the way you train and if you Concur. if you if you do a bad job or a poor job of training or you um don't train for what the mission is mm-hmm. you're going to fail definitely. you're going to you may not fail, but you're going to struggle through it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're going to find out the hard way. Yeah. Uh, and not only that, I mean, like this, I mean, this is a business of <coughs> your mistakes could cost lives. Oh, yeah. So, or your own. Definitely. Definitely. You, you, you owe it to, to those you love to tr- exactly train like you fight. Like your training should be harder than when it is you're doing an actual mission. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. So that when that time comes, it's just second second nature. <laughs> Not to mention the fact, the, I don't know, uh, over two thousand hours and flying, right? And not not bragging to people with plenty yeah. more hours. Uh, these skills are very perishable, and and tactics, techniques, procedures, technology are always changing, constantly. And if you're not keeping up with that, I mean it. it you go on leave for for two weeks. You come back, like oh man, like I I'm rusty, right? Yeah, like yeah. oh man, I can't do this vehicle follow. It, it takes it takes some time to like get back in the swing of things. And, yeah, and it's like so you you have to be ready at all times. Yeah, yeah, especially because you never know when the next conflict's going to never know. pop up. Or you know you you guys have in and I'm I'm using the old news. Okay, you've been flying in Afghanistan for for so long. Yeah, and and you guys because it's remote. Mm-hmm. You don't necessarily know where you're flying that day when you come to work. When you show up, yeah, you're, you're like, "Where yep. am I flying today?" Yep. Okay, well, you're going to be over X location. Yeah. Tomorrow you're over Y location. It's, oh, yeah. it's just you're like, I, I don't know. And and with each one of those, there's there's a lot of considerations with with airspace, uh, air traffic, definitely. Um, what the actual mission is, what are the the rules of engagement? Huge. Uh, all that changes. Every single day, definitely. Uh, and, well, depending on it changes every day, depending on where your a your uh, operating location is. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. For context, uh, when I first came in, uh, I was up to the 18th Reconnaissance Squadron. We had four different AORs that we that we flew in, um, two different uh, combatant commands with completely different rules of engagement, and in a single day. And this was not uncommon. I wasn't the only one that did this. The way our schedule worked out, because our manning was not great back then, you kind of did a waterfall. So you had one break crew, and we had four lines. And so and it was an eight-hour shift. So the break crew did two hours in each of the lines. 
So it wasn't uncommon to fly in four different AORs in one shift. Jeez. Yeah, and 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 the the aircrafts were configured differently. Ever so, like they were doing whatever mm-hmm. mission they were doing. But yeah, and the biggest thing was you had to know those the special instructions for that AOR cold. Yeah. Yeah, that's not that's not something you can mess up. It's funny. I didn't even think about the combat load that you guys are carrying, how they were going to change between oh, yeah. each aircraft and between each uh, AOR. I did. I I know that. I just. I that's just another thing. Doing, yeah, yeah. yeah. Geez, Absolutely. Geez. Okay, well, we're we're kind of coming up to the end. We're we're close to an hour here. So oh, what wow. I it goes fast. It does. Wow. Yeah. Um so uh I'm gonna embarrass you real quick. Uh, <laughs> but I am going to ask your advice. So as a as a Red Irwin oh, uh boy. winner for the Air Force. Ah, that's right. You know I had to throw <laughs> that out there. I wasn't gonna let you get away with that. So um no, Congrats on that, by the way. I but, appreciate you. Uh, like, what advice would you give to folks uh, who were looking to join the Air Force? Because that's that's our primary um, yeah. <laughs> demographic. Definitely is is you know whether they're high schoolers or college students or you know we talked about the twenty five year olds that are out. Yeah. But they're looking to to join the Air Force and maybe do you know be it maybe be a sensor operator. Love that. Maybe do something else. So Absolutely. what what kind of advice would you give to folks? Yeah, so I'm going to give a piece of advice my father gave me um, actually around the time I was in high school, uh, which I would say is probably a pivotal moment in a lot of people's lives, is, is surround yourself with, with the people that have the type of mindset you want to have. For me, what, what that wound up being, and I think I got a lot of this from my father, uh, it's you want to surround yourself with folks that have two two types of uh, two types of trait traits, which is self improvement and community improvement. Self improvement that that's that's fantastic, right? You should strive every day to be better than you were yesterday. Wholeheartedly believe that, um, but that will only get you so far, right? That'll and and it's you you can't do everything by yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where the the other aspect comes in community improvement you want to surround yourself with the people who want to bring those up around them with them as they're improving they're improving those around them Um, and i think that's that is actually one of the one of the things that have helped me along in my air force career is seeking out those individuals with those with that mentality Um, and whatever that mindset is right if if you know, you're in, you're in high school, you're in college, and uh, you surround yourself with folks that are looking to join the military, serve their country uh, in, in an honorable capacity. Love that. Love that. Uh, but I'll say for me, it was, it was definitely, I mean, I, you know, right, like n- none of my siblings joined the mm-hmm. military, uh, but all my siblings are very successful uh, in their own right. Um, and, I, and I think that was because of those values that were instilled in us, right? Surround yourself with the people that you want to be like. Yeah. Um, and those are the type of people that I want to be like. Yeah, and that a lot of that sounds like, uh, or an aspect of that sounds like a lot of a service and servitude and Definitely. servant servant leadership, hundred um, percent kind of thing. Because you know, it's you have to be able to help other people. You have to be able to improve. You know, the the leave a space or leave an organization or leave uh, you know an area better than where you found it. If 100%. 
it's not okay to, you know, I'll just trying to boil it down into, yeah. you know, hang out in a courtyard or whatever. Right. Sure. And there's trash. It's not okay for you to not go pick that up. A hundred percent. It may not yep. be your trash, but pick it up and clean the area up. Definitely. You know, it's, it's your while you're in it. Yeah, yeah exactly. While you're in it. Guess what? It's, it's your community. It's, yeah. it's the same thing. You know, we get a lot of wind and, and there's a lot of wind right here yeah. at, at Nellis right now, 100%. actually, um, which is impacting flag operations, <laughs> but whatever, um, you know, which blows a lot of the trash around. Yeah. Um, you know, sure. when it rains here, amazingly in the desert, yeah. weeds pop up like crazy. Oh, yeah. And, and, you know, it makes the place look like a dump, mm-hmm. you know, and it's not something that we can help because the wind's going to blow things all around. But when you're, you know, t- you got to take pride in your organization, just like you would take pride in your your house, Definitely. your home. You know, you you have a lot of pride in your last name. Right? Yes, that's sir. Your, that's your family's name. Hundred percent. Every time you step out the door, you're representing your family. Yes. Wearing that, you're representing the Air Force. Yes. You know, so and, and also, you know, you represent the weapons school with the patch, sure. the Tigers. By who? You know what I'm saying? Like, so Definitely. it's it's a representation of yourself your community and you've got to act accordingly 100 and and just think of like the difference right like it, it's tough to see uh how one person can in this case right just pick up the water bottle or whatever mm-hmm. you see and toss it in the garbage can imagine if eight thousand active duty members were doing that <laughs> it doesn't take a lot yeah. right many hands make light work like this that's the mentality though that that i like to surround myself with like, yeah Take care of yourself and you take care of community. Everything else will fall in place. Awesome, dude. Yeah. Well, Diesel, I appreciate you joining us. Thanks for spending you. time with me. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I need your voice. That's <laughs> what I really need. But uh, yeah. So anyway, everybody out there, appreciate you joining us. Don't forget to like, subscribe, hit that review or the notification bell and then leave us a review and definitely answer comments. Um, I'll, sh- I'll shoot you the video on I'll YouTube that you. way in case... People do have questions, they can they can hit it in the I'll comments. Be more than happy. So awesome. Awesome. Right. Thanks a lot. Later. Thank you.